Praise God. It's awesome to be the house of God, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just great to come and worship together. I want to just uh, stop and acknowledge our dear uh, the, uh, Preston. What am I thinking? Peterson. <laughs> Sorry, brother. Uh, just a beautiful family from up in the New England area pastoring. This is the Roselle's children and grandchildren. Just awesome to have you with us, Winston and Jerry Lynn and the gang. Always a privilege. Hope you're enjoying your beautiful stay here. Um, just thankful, really. You know, I look around every face I see in this place that I know, which is most of you, most all of you. I know you're carrying a testimony. I've lived long enough and been around most of you long enough. Every time I see you, I see the faithfulness of God. See the goodness of the Lord. You know, isn't it awesome to, to just be surrounded by that witness? God has been faithful in all these things. Praise God for it. Well, I'm excited this morning. I, um, you know, I just, I, I have a fire burning inside of me, you know. So I'm just, try, I'm just trying to just kind of like, you know, step out into it here this morning. But I've got something just stirring around in me and I can't, I can't shake it. I just feel the zeal of the Lord. And so if you're a guest here today, just give me some space. Amen. Uh, I have no, no telling how this will be this morning, but I feel the zeal of the Lord, <clears throat> the purposes of God. We're living in an amazing time, and uh, there's great significance for each one of us. God has ordained it, and we're living for such a time as this. It's not coincidental, accidental, and so my desire, and I believe it's the desire of the Holy Spirit today, is to come and fan the flame fan the flame that whatever is smoldering or maybe just a little ember in there that it would just come into full blaze today in your life why live a life anything less why you know what's the reason for that not worth doing so let me just pray and and uh, acknowledge the hand of the lord this morning and then we're going to jump into the scriptures this day father thank you i just want to thank you personally lord for the way you've touched me my family, I want to thank you that in all things you have been true and faithful to your word. Lord, I pray this morning that this house, those assembled here today, would receive your touch afresh, that your word would be quick and powerful to each one of us, that it would matter right where we need it to matter. Lord, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that it's not by our own cunning ideas or our own efforts today, but we acknowledge you, Holy Spirit, here. Come and move freely among us and fit words to each of our lives, I pray. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been talking about the flow of the Holy Spirit from a lot of different angles and about the end time strategy of God. Actually, it's the strategy God's had from the beginning, but it's relevant now like never before. And that is that God would have a people in the earth, His people, a people called out of darkness into His marvelous light. That people would not be like any other people because the difference would be Christ on the inside of them and the Holy Spirit moving in and through that people. And we've said it over and over again from different angles, but basically the bottom line is that God wants us full of the Holy Ghost to the point that it's flowing out of us 
like a mighty river. That's Jesus' words. That's the prophet's words from the Old Testament. Over and over again, the Scripture reaffirms this idea that God's going to have a people so impassioned by the the presence of Christ and the, the call of God on their life that nothing can stop them. Nothing can stop them. And I was talking to Pastor Gail at the beginning of this meeting, and some of you maybe know, maybe some of you not, but this dear sister, Eva Evans, she's 75 years old, a Bible teacher, tremendous Bible teacher. Some of the women went to a conference where she was ministering and teaching. She just went into Great Britain. She was going to be teaching at a Bible college, and they stopped her and turned her around and sent her out of the country. Wouldn't let her come in, in England. It wouldn't let her come in England interrogated her for three hours. She was going to a Bible college. She wasn't going to go stand on the street corner at Trafalgar Square or something. She was going to the Bible college to teach, and they wouldn't let her in England. Hello. I'm telling you, it's, you know, but that sister, I'm sure, is going to make full use of the trip somehow. She's going to lead somebody to Christ on the plane or, you know, but you think about what hour are we living in? What, what is going on in the world? The devil is very intimidated by people carrying the gospel. Not religion. I'm talking about people carrying the gospel, the presence of, of Christ. You know, she's, uh, my understanding is she's en route now coming home, but she's in Amsterdam or somewhere like that. Let's just take a second and bless that dear sister. Father... Lord, I just want to thank you that though the devil tries to resist us, Lord God, that you are bigger than the devil, I want to thank you today for using all things and working all things together for good. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of this situation, you would turn it around, some new contacts, some new doors of ministry, some new venues where the gospel can be spread throughout wherever she finds herself in Amsterdam or wherever she is. Lord, I thank you right now for the power of your spirit, Lord, in spite of, these things. And God, I ask you to have mercy on Great Britain. I ask you to have mercy on those islands. I ask you to have mercy on that region, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I want to read to you this morning from the book of Romans, chapter 12, beginning in the first few verses here. We've been talking about, in a practical sense, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the flow of the Holy Spirit. We've been asking, you know, if the, if the, the word of the Lord is that out of your belly is going to flow a river, we've been asking the question, how is it flowing? You know, it's supposed to be flowing in your life. Where is it going? And is it growing? Those things should be happening, and we should be concerned with or interested in that reality. Is the flow of the Holy Spirit evident in your life? And if it's not... Well, praise God, let's get it flowing. You know, there is, a, there is a way to facilitate that. Number one, you've got to be born again. If you're not born again, you need to be born again. You need to commit and submit your life to Christ. That's where it all starts. He that believes on me, Jesus said, as the scripture has said, out of that person's belly will flow a river. So it starts with faith in Christ. I believe in a second experience. After you have a born-again experience, yes, the Spirit of God takes up His residence in you, but there is this thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's where things go to a whole nother level. Every believer should encounter a second experience, just like Israel had a second feast 
they were called to celebrate. They started off with Passover, a picture of the blood of the Lamb of salvation experience for the believer. Second feast, Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the power. There is a second experience for the born-again Christian, and you shouldn't just plateau off being born again because you got your ticket into heaven. You and I need the power to get the job done. That's why Jesus said, I know I'm talking to the choir here, but Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you be filled with power from on high because you're going to be my witnesses as if to say that without that power you're not going to be able to effectively witness for me not effectively so second experience the power of God but the last feast of Israel the very last feast the feast of tabernacles which is a picture of that which should happen in the life of the believer is about a maturing of the harvest coming to fullness coming pastor Jerry's doing a great job of talking on Sunday nights for the Bible school on the call to Christian maturity called to manifest Christ and uh, the end of the age that's where we're living God is maturing a people but you know it's got to be flowing out of our hearts and out of our lives so practically speaking how's it flowing in your life is the manifestation of the spirit the gifts of the spirit the fruits of the spirit the Bible gives us all kinds of wonderful insights to get us on our way not to limit the definition you know a lot of times you read up on these things and you study them the gifts I'm talking about now and you can get kind of boxed into some ideas but I don't think God's trying to box us in I think he's just trying to inspire us <laughs> say get out of the box and let me do something fresh and alive and new in your life that's what he's really trying to do so as we approach these things please hear me we're not trying to you know say this is exactly how this works because God's going to show up and do some stuff that's just amazing it'll be consistent with the character of God and the things God has revealed in his word to us, but we don't have to limit it. Limit it. It's just a, a launching pad for the things God wants to do in this hour because, you know, even the religious church needs a fresh touch from God. They've gotten so stuck. We, we let's use we, you know. We can get so stuck in what we know, our familiarity of things, and God's wanting to break that stuff off of us, get the familiarity out of the room. That's why this crazy woman up front every now and then just shouts out. Maybe that's irritating you, and maybe it's supposed to. Amen. Maybe you need to be irritated. Hello. If somebody rubs you the wrong way, it's because you have a wrong way. Now, I didn't say that. Some wise man said that years ago. I just repeated every now and then. So, so many different like, ways of talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We already talked through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about spiritual gifts, and we listed the nine spiritual gifts there. There's what's often called the motivational gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, but I'm not even going to get into the specifics on those gifts. And there's all kinds of other giftings incorporated in the Bible. The goal here, I believe, that's on God's heart, is to get each one of us examining the grace that we have on our lives. Why does this work for me? Why am I burdened like I'm burdened and so other people aren't? Why is that? Let me tell you why. Often it's because God has ordained and appointed something for your life. And the sooner you and I discover what that grace is on our life and then begin to engage in it, use what you have where you can, right? Where opportunity makes itself available and let God grow the gift. So let me just read to you uh, a few verses here out of Romans chapter 12 and verse 
1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another." having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. That's an important thought right there. Having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorts on exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity, he that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now this, is, this list that I just read of gifts often are referred to as the motivational gifts, and there's different people slice it differently and say, well, that prophecy is the same one as the other one. I want to just kind of zoom the lens out a little bit and not get down in the minutia of some of those conversations as much as to talk about the idea that grace has been given to every one of us. You know, we do a, an assessment. At some point, I'll hand it out for those of you who have not yet had the opportunity to do one of these. Uh, C. Peter Wagner put one out kind of piggybacking on another brother's thing. It's been around for a long time, since the 70s. It's been like edited like eight different you know, additions to this particular gift questionnaire, which is just a discovery tool that kind of helps you recognize some of your spiritual gifts. It gives you some definitions. It's very helpful, very simple. Um, but they list in his particular assessment tool 27 different spiritual gifts. 27, okay? Things that we've not yet talked about. Things like the gift of celibacy, Go imagine. You know, I couldn't even spell it, so I figured I probably don't have it, you know? I mean, that was just my thing. The gift of worship leading. <laughs> you know? Uh, how about this gift? The gift of voluntary poverty. You say, is that a spiritual gift? Well, to do it voluntarily? Probably so. <laughs> it's one thing to have to be forced into that. But anyways, it's interesting, because you could go on and on and on looking at the gifts in the Bible, you know? craftsmanship it's just practical things you say well that really a spiritual gift and you get into all kinds of interesting slicing and dicing but hear this there is grace given for a reason everything should glorify God every gift you have whether it's kind of a natural gift or it's a spirit clearly a spiritual function it's all given to glorify God I've I found this to be interesting I believe that you can see hints of people's spiritual giftings before they even, even are born again in their life. Now, you might not agree with me, but I believe this. Before people are even born again, you can find hints in their, the way they're wired or the way they're bent towards a calling that's on their life that's yet to be revealed when they get born again. I can remember before I was even born again, sitting on a bar stool in Burlington, Vermont, preaching a gospel that was a bit confused. 
I got to tell you. But I had guys sitting at the bar listening. And I was preaching the gospel I had, which was, thank God, you know, he didn't leave me there because it was pretty messed up. But it was there. And I was speaking. Amen. And I was passionate. I rarely had someone fall asleep on me. Rarely. And if they did, it's because they had too much to drink. But it was there. Just in, just in this little thing. And I, I like to think of it like this. God, when God thought of you, He thought of you in Christ. He thought of you full of the Holy Ghost. He planned on you coming into fullness. When He thought of you, He designed you with an end in mind. And so in your hard wiring, even in some of the natural tendencies you have, was this eternal plan. Don't think that all of a sudden, you, got, you know, when you got born again, it just kind of... No, no, God saw you in Christ before the foundation of the world. Yeah, and so what happens is you get born again, and now there's gas in the fuel tank. Now there's life, God's life, that brings about through the various things God wired you with now we're starting to see the full manifestation. And it's the thing that brings people to Christ and it magnifies and glorifies the Lord. He's the author. He's the finisher. In our mother's womb, He curiously wrought us or formed us with an end in mind. You get that coupled up with the Holy Spirit on the inside of a born-again believer. And guess what? Things start happening inside you know we're in an interesting season right now we have we're preparing a place for my mother-in-law to come live over our garage we when i built the house eventually i built a garage and when i built the garage i designed i designed it with this idea that one day that could be a loft apartment so i designed the trusses and everything to be load bearing and to have a person live there and uh for years I started to build a little cabinet shop up there. I had some tools up there. I was storing a bunch of lumber up in there. And then we had various items. Slowly the room got filled up. Anybody got one of those rooms? Okay. This is a storage room right above the garage. But it was never the intention of the building to make it a storage room. It never was. The intention was one day in the mind of this guy right here, that will be an apartment for someone, maybe a mother-in-law suite or whatever, didn't know why, but I, had, had, I, had, I saw people there, not, you know, stuff. Isn't it interesting how we compile stuff, right? And so now we're in this process where it's time for Christy's mom to move in. She's at a stage in her life where she needs a place to be. And so we're converting it. So guess what I had to do? I had to go in and I had to start sorting through the stuff. Let me say it to you this way. It was never God's intention for you to be a storage building. God has a plan. And even though the current state might be used for one thing, God's eternal plan has something totally different in mind. And I'm here to say today that God is showing up to clean some things out. Come on. He's saying, Let me get, let's get on with the plan I had for you from the beginning of time. Amen. 
My wife was thrilled that this was happening because I had a stack of three-quarter inch birch plywood that I promised I was going to build bookcases for sitting up there for years. So now I'm forced to do something with this plywood. So I took a week's vacation and got out my tools and built bookcases. And built. And she was just, she was like a little songbird. She was just singing around the house. It was like, it was like this nesting thing came over her. I don't know what it was. It was just amazing, you know. And actually, it felt pretty good to me too. I mean, it was kind of therapy, you know, to get out there and clearing it out progress making some changes hear this today by the spirit of God God has a plan and your current use might not be you know we get so accustomed to being a storage building we get so accustomed to just kind of living below what God had in mind from the beginning I feel it all over me today that the Spirit of God is opening the door and saying, all right, what of this stuff can we throw out? What of this stuff do we need to give away? What of this stuff have we been sitting on for a long time and we know we're supposed to do something with? Because this space, I'm talking about you, your soul, your heart, your life. God is saying, this space was ordained and conceived in my eternal plan and I'm getting ready to finish what I had in mind when I began. I'm getting ready to finish. Renovation. Remodeling. So Paul, in his addressing of the Romans, in this Romans chapter 12, starts off by saying, I beseech you therefore, brethren. I beseech you. So often we wonder about what God's doing with other people, but hear this today. I beseech you you just let it hit personally I beseech you and then insert your name I'm asking you the Lord would say by the mercies of God or I love Berkeley's version of the New Testament he says I'm beseeching you or asking you pleading with you in view of God's mercy I love that in view of God's mercy, I'm addressing you today. You know, God's mercy, it's interesting when you're reading the scripture, it's good to know the context of what you're reading. And actually, this chapter is preceded by Romans chapter 11, right? Romans chapter 11 is all about the mercies of God for the Jew coming in and for the Gentile coming in and how God's going to have everybody at the end of the age standing before him without the ability to boast. There will be no boasting when this is all over with. The Jew, who once was the people of God, you know, he says, now I'm going to call a people who were not a people. And they'll be called the people of God. And the Gentiles come in under the mercies of God. We were nobodies. And God in His mercy reached down and brought us in. And now the Jews find themselves in a, in a very strenuous place and it's only going to get tighter and harder for them. But guess what? Don't throw them out because Paul's clear in Romans 11 that in the end, there's opening a door of salvation for Israel and Israel's going to come back in. But guess how they're going to come in? By the mercies of God. That's why Paul exhorts the church and he says, here's what you should be doing right now. 
not accusing. You should be extending mercy to them. Show mercy to them because that's how they're going to come to Christ. Mercy. And then he finishes that whole chapter up with, oh, how wonderful are God's ways. Everybody, nobody's going to be strutting around saying we're the people of God in that sense, in this arrogant, like we did something good. Everybody's going to be there because of God's tender mercies and his loving kindness. Mercy. So that's chapter 11. You can read it on your own. I'm sure you'll walk away with the same conclusion, which leads us to chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore. Therefore is therefore a reason. He's talking about the previous chapter. I'm entreating you because of what I just finished saying about God's mercy. And he says that you, in view of the mercy of God, in view of the mercy of God, present yourselves to him as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable, in view of of his mercy. It's only right. It's only reasonable. If you were here a couple weeks ago, you know we were talking out of Psalms 110 and verse 3 about my people, God speaking, will be willing in the day of my power. And we said that this word to be willing was to be voluntary and to be spontaneous in the day of his, who remembers what power was alluding to? In the day of his army, in the day that God assembles his army, there'll be a volunteer group of people who are saying, send me, I'm in. Why? Because in view of the mercies of God, everything you've ever done for me, it is only reasonable and right that my life is yours. If you hadn't intervened, I wouldn't be here today. It's only right that I give you my life in all of its fullness for your service, for your pleasure, for whatever it is. So Paul is, is reaching out. He's saying, listen, don't, don't forget the mercy you've received. And in view of the mercy, I'm asking you to do what's right. Present yourself as a living sacrifice, voluntary, spontaneous, not dragging. You know, I think anytime we mumble and grumble, it's because we've lost sight of the mercies we've received. Any time we mumble and complain, it's because we've lost sight of the mercies we've received. Living sacrifices. It's only reasonable. One translation says, it is your reasonable worship. Worship. It's an interesting idea, isn't it? What do you think worship is? Well, that's when we come and we sing and we clap and we shout and let me tell you that's so not the sum of worship it's part of it it's wonderful but real worship is attached to sacrifice you cannot have real worship apart from sacrifice i'm just thinking of the story of abraham you remember genesis 22 5 you can jot it down look at it later if you want but it says genesis 22 5 this is where he's having to bring Isaac, his son, his only son, up onto the mountain and offer him to the Lord. What a stretch this was. And uh, and Abraham says in verse 5 unto his young men, you wait here with the donkey and I and the lad or the boy will go yonder and worship and come again to you. You see, Abraham attached sacrifice to worship. 
And I think here Paul in Romans is saying, present yourselves a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable, come on, talk to me, worship. You see, sacrifice and reasonable worship. You want to worship God, you want to honor God, you want to bless the Lord, you want it to... You know, you want there to be results and for heaven to hear. We, we've, in our culture, I think often we lose sight of the principle of sacrifice because Israel knew that when a sacrifice was accepted, God's blessing would land upon them for the next year or however it was that they were doing. If a sacrifice was rejected, then they were under a curse or a brass heavens and things couldn't move and things weren't happening. So they understood the connection. God, may my sacrifice be acceptable in your sight. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. May all of these things be right for you because if they're just an outward show, they're going to lack results. And I'm telling you, we're in a time when we've got to have some results. We need, we need heaven, you know, working, flowing with us, not having resisting factors around our lives so worship and sacrifice they're synonymous and i'm saying it today because hear the call of god remember you know this whole portion i just read in romans kind of ends with we all have grace differing and here's your gift and here's but the context what the stage is set there says present yourselves your bodies what are you doing with your life what grace have you received you see, God's looking for us to, re- to identify the grace we have and then to say, God, here is my life in return to you. I don't want to be a loft storage building. I want to be a place of purpose. I don't want to just store up temporary things that are going nowhere. Use my life for something meaningful, God. Well, it's a living sacrifice. Interesting when Abraham says, I'm, me and the boy are going up here to worship and then we're going to come again to you. I don't have time to really go down this path, but I'll just mention it as we pass the door to it. Abraham is saying, we're going to go have an encounter with God and we're coming back and when we do, you better hold on because we're going to be different. We're going to meet with God in a real way. And when we come back, something's going to be different. Wouldn't that be a neat way to approach our gathering together? I'm going into the house of God, and when I come out of here, I'm going to be different. You all hang out here and hold on, because after this thing, whoo! You know, if you read Abraham's account, God, when he sees him in worship, sacrificing his son, heaven comes down, stops him from that physical thing because really God wasn't looking for that, but he was looking for the heart to be willing to go all the way with God. And then God says, stop. He says, now I know. And in blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply you. All, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed in you. Why? Because you came up this mountain that I chose for you, not the one you chose for yourself. That's all in the text there. And you did, you gave your life as a living sacrifice for me, holy and acceptable. And here is my return on your investment. All the world's going to be blessed through you. That's why Paul is saying, oh church, each member in particular, I need you. I can't force you to do this. I'm beseeching you. Hear the heart of the Apostle Paul. I'm I'm, I'm pleading with you. The earth needs a blessing. 
And it's only going to get it when believers present themselves. Not the pastor twisting their arm, but I got to preach it, then you got to deal with it. Amen. I present myself. He says, come on, just, just in your heart. By the way, you know, that's a decision made out of your spirit. It doesn't have to be made out of your soul. You know, Jesus said it this way. The flesh is weak. Anybody say amen to that? Come on. But your spirit is willing. And Jesus himself manifests the same struggle in the Gethsemane. Father, I don't want to do this. Yet nevertheless... That's out of your spirit. Not my will, but your will. There's that living. You know, Jesus was a living sacrifice before he was ever a physical sacrifice on a cross. That thing happened in his heart. And he said, God, this isn't based on my feelings. This isn't based on all the emotional stuff around my life. I know I'm talking to people today. Whether you're smiling or frowning, it doesn't matter to me anymore. Isn't that good news? Glory to God. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Spoken as a pastor, I'm sure. Beseeching us. The world is waiting for people to do more than just attend church services. The world is waiting to see a people who've, out of love for God, in view of the mercies of God, having been loved so extravagantly by God, have come to the point where they've said, God, here I am voluntary I'm willing you know and the bottom line is there's stuff you may be asking me to do that I don't want to do okay let me just say that but let me not let that define my fault my final decision because my spirit has something to say about it all and my spirit says amen to you God my spirit says I'm willing to be made willing my spirit says God here am I I know I got issues and I know you're going to have to change some stuff around on the inside of me but here I am come on do what you got to do in me I trust you God in your ability to take a rough fisherman like Peter and make him a pillar in the church. God. Only God. It's interesting this word worship in Genesis 22 with Abraham means to bow self down. <laughs> I love that definition. To worship is to bow self down. Okay, self. Everybody got their self? Did you bring yourself with you today? Yeah, everybody brought their self with them. Well, here's what worship is. Bow self down. All right, self, let me tell you what you're going to do today. You're going to bow down. I know you have your desires. I know you have your plans. But there's a, there's a voice that's louder than yours. There's a voice that's more enduring than yours. It's the voice of the Holy Ghost and it's the voice in my spirit. And it's that voice today that I'm choosing to let rule in this threefold being, spirit, soul, and body. You know, we lose sight of this. There is an order. I'm not going to take long with it, but there's an order just like within the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God made us in His image, three parts, spirit, soul, that's your mind and your will and your emotions and your body. Well, the devil appealed in the garden to the soul of man to eat, made, make one wise, looked good to eat, appealing to the sense realm. That's all here at the soul. And when they bought into the lie, 
man fell out of his place and the order was corrupted and now the soul is on top and everything we do has to go through our, our mind. That's why Paul in this very same chapter in Romans says, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but let your mind be transformed. Let it be changed. And the deal is God wants to get, and when you get born again, by the way, here's what happened. It wasn't your mind that got born again. It was your spirit that came alive, and now your spirit is supposed to be sitting up on top, telling your soul what to do. So self, that's the spirit speaking, bow down. Be subject. You know, does your body tell you what to do? Some days it does. Yeah, some days your body rears up and goes, I ain't getting out of bed today. Yeah, you got to be kidding me. I ain't feeling it. It ain't happening. That's what your body might say, but guess what you say? You know what? Shut up. We're going to work. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Come on, somebody. Talk to me. Right? Who, who's going who's gonna to rule the roost at the end of the day? Well, God's desire and design is that your spirit in fellowship with God, who is a spirit, receiving our instructions from the spirit of God, will tell your soul how to think, what to believe, what our next steps look like, and so on. So, bow self down. <laughs> I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies, in view of the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable worship. Reasonable. Here's my life, Jesus. You know, God's not done with sacrifices. Hebrews, Hebrews 13, rather, verse 15 and 16, says this. By him, speaking of Jesus, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. You know, we think because Jesus died once and for all for the sins of man that there are no more sacrifices. But listen, let's get it straight. There are no more sacrifices for sin. But that doesn't mean there are no more sacrifices. Oh, there's absolutely a whole system of sacrifices still in force, still intact today. The sacrifice of praise. With such sacrifices, he says, to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Do you know what this word communicate is? Just an interesting little side note. It's the Greek word koinonia, which is where we get our word communion. So, to do good and to be in communion, don't forget. Let me just read to you the definition. I love this stuff, koinonia. It means partnership. Or it means this, participation. Or let's say it this way, to do good and to participate, don't forget. How's that one hit you? To do good and get off your pew, participate. Don't just be a spectator. I love every one of you. Listen, this is God talking to me too. I'm the guy up here cleaning out the loft apartment. Going, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. To do good and to participate. Don't forget to do it. To do good and to get involved. To do good and take the grace you've received and employ it somewhere. To do good and, and, and be a partaker 
get in. Don't be out. Don't be on the edge. Don't be on the sideline. Find your place and engage yourself. That's the living sacrifice part of this equation. Because he says, with such sacrifices, and it is a sacrifice, isn't it, to get engaged? It is not convenient. There'll be somebody who you, you know, get irritated around. Chances are God sent them there just for you. Amen. Imagine that. One person said it this way, you can choose your friends, but God chooses your neighbors. You know, God sets us up a lot of times just to get little annoying things to agitate in order to bring out areas that we need to get delivered from and become more like Christ. I don't think you have to go looking for them. I think they just show up and then you need to recognize them. Don't be on the outside. Don't be at arm's length. Share. Get involved. Participate. To do good and to get involved. You know, it has other meanings. Distribution, fellowship. The context here perhaps would be to, to give monetarily, but it's really, I think, a broader topic. It's about your life. To do good and to give your life. Don't forget the value of that because God is well pleased. And what happens when God receives a sacrifice? Come on. The heavens open up. Blessings begin flowing. Things where you're stuck. Sometimes your, your breakthrough is just on the other side of an acceptable sacrifice to God. That's a fact. Your breakthrough that you've been waiting for often is just on the other side of an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. And I don't have the time this morning to go into the possible ways that that might occur. But let me just tell you, the Spirit of God, some of you right now is tapping on your shoulder. Something maybe came into your mind, just as I said those words, of something you needed to do. Something you've been pondering. And the Lord right now is just saying to you, that's, that's the area. You know, we had something not too long ago God asked Christy and I to do, and it was really uncomfortable. And, but you know what? When we heard it in our spirit, we knew it was the Lord, and we said, you know what? We're going to do that, and whether others respond to it or not, we're going to do it as unto God, and we're going to be free. And we did, and we got free. Glory to God. And I feel the blessing of the Lord over my life as a result of it. I mean, I was blessed before then, but I tell you, there's certain things that'll get you stuck. And if we don't offer up, you know, bow ourselves down and give God what he's after, then we're going to hang out there too long. All right. So here's the idea. Let me just kind of continue with Paul's thoughts in Romans 12. Um, <clears throat> don't be conformed to this world. I love J.B. Phillips' translation of this. He says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Isn't that a good translation? Don't be conformed. Don't let the world and its pressures squeeze you into its mold but rather be transformed or Philip says this but let God remold your minds so don't let the world squeeze you into its mold and let me tell you right now it's trying to every time you turn around here's the world cast you know what a mold is a mold is a predetermined shape and image a predetermined shape and image and you and I are trying to be you were being asked 
to be malleable or pliable so that we can fit in. So it's telling us, this mold is saying, here's what you're supposed to look like. And the whole time, God's over here by the Holy Ghost showing us Jesus, and he's saying, here's what you're supposed to look like. And he's saying, which mold are you going to be conformed into? Don't be squeezed through life's pressures. That's where all the, you know, the decisions are made, isn't it? Don't be squeezed through the pressures of life into the world's mold. Peer pressure is one of the great squeezers. I want to fit in. I want to be loved. Therefore, I'm going to I'm going to just go ahead and yield myself and just let myself flow into that mold. Well, here Paul is saying, listen, you got a choice. Don't opt for the squeezing into the world's mold, but be transformed. Let your mind be remolded. I know all the scholars in the room here are aware of these things, but somebody might not be aware of it. It's an interesting word, transformed. Be ye transformed. It's the Greek word metamorpho. What's that sound like? Metamorphosis. It is absolutely where the word metamorphosis comes from. And uh, we all pretty much understand what happens there. You go from one state into a whole different form and state. He's saying, so be transformed or be metamorphosed. Be remolded, reshaped. Come on. You're no longer a storage building. You're something else. And God's saying, I want to get you there. And in order to get you there, we got some work to do. And it's going to be in the renewing of your mind about who you are and what your life is about. You see, we all have this picture, this model that we're working against, the blueprint. And we're saying, well, for me, success looks like this. I'm driving this. I look like this, you know. So I go to the gym and I save up my money to buy this car. And, and what, what's that all about? We're kind of shooting at this image right think about it there's an image we all have in our mind of what we want to be like and what success would be like but God's saying listen don't let the world determine that image I've got something so much better for you I want to change you thank God you know I uh, so we're privileged I got my dear brother Teo he's helping us as a contractor on this apartment this loft apartment I get a phone call from him the other day and he says, uh, Pastor, uh, he says, the AC guy's putting the unit and these ducts in a place that I don't think is very good. And he said, it's going to hinder the access holes and stuff like this. And he says, what do you want to do? You know, I don't think that's where you want it. I said, well, we, we talked about it. And we said, just shut him down. Shut him down. And I'll talk to him when I get there. So Teo went out and shut him down. Praise God. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about, you know, the plans God has for your life. And sometimes as a pastor, I feel like the guy that comes in and just has to shut some things down. Amen. Just shut it down. That ain't where that belongs. And, you know, AC guy wasn't trying to do anything evil. He, he just was misguided. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of maybe even well-intended people around you trying to have the finished product look like something, and it's the job of a pastor or somebody who's loving and caring for you. Really, it's the truth is, it's the job of each one of us toward one another to care for one another and to care about the finished product enough to say, you know what, I, don't, I really don't think you want to drill that hole right there because you're going to stumble over that thing for the rest of your life. That thing's going to be in your way every time you try to go down that path. Thank God for people in our life who are willing to say, time out. I hope that's why you're here today. 
I hope you came because you said in your heart, maybe you didn't think of it, you know, like in a very conscious way, but I hope in your spirit, and I believe it's true, you're here to say, you know what, God, I just want to be what you had in mind. I just want to fulfill my destiny. I want it to look just like you wanted it to look. And you know what? I know that at the end of the day, you want me blessed. And you mean we're going to patch that hole? Yeah, we're going to patch that hole you drilled. Amen. Don't worry about it. Let's get on with the project at hand. So Paul, in his beseeching, do you think that was just for the Romans? Do you hear God beseeching you today? I don't know. I just, I have to tell you. I believe God is reaching out to each one of us in this place today. Now you might say, oh, that's just a pastor and I just came to listen to a message and do the religious thing. I'm telling you, if I didn't believe this with all my heart, I'd be, I'd be in the wrong place. I believe God is beseeching you through me today. I believe that. I believe God's beseeching me through me today. Amen. I believe God is reaching out and saying, will you come? Will you present your life in view of my mercy? Are you really grateful for what I've done for you? Do you care about what I've done for you? And are you going to lay your life down for me, even if it doesn't feel initially real great? Maybe, maybe it's just against the grain a little bit in your life, but what are you going to do in view of my mercies? That's why Paul goes from that whole kind of beckoning dialogue into the gifts. Here's a good place to start. The gifts you've received. You, you, why, don't, why don't you consider participating and why don't you consider figuring them out more and maybe you can consider, what am I, and it's okay to have a little, there should be an ongoing question in your heart. God, why am I here? <laughs> from your view. Not what other people have told. What are you saying about me? He says in verse 3, I love this. So, so, such a beautiful picture of Paul's thinking here. He says, For I say, through the grace given to me. Paul says, I'm talking to you right now because this is the grace I've received to talk to you. In essence, he's saying, what are you doing with the grace you've received? By the grace given to me, I'm talking to you right now. I can say to you today, by the grace given to me, I'm speaking to you. But what about the grace given to you? Pastor, I don't know if I got one. You've got some. Goes on to say, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. God's dealt to every man the measure of faith. And then he goes right into that thing. We already read it. Many members, one body. All members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace. There it is. Gifts differing according to the grace. Let us do something. Your grace marks your place. Pastor, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. 
Your grace marks your place. Beautiful idea here is that, you know, if your grace is from God, it'll just make things work. And others will confirm your grace. Let me issue a caution. We need to begin to see in one another the budding virtues. They may not be in full bloom yet. So don't disqualify somebody from something because they're not a professional. Wouldn't it be cool if we could actually see what God sees in one another and see the budding virtue in somebody? Like, you know what? You might think you're this, but I tell you, I feel like God says this about you. I just see this. Really? You see that on me? I see that on you. You know, that to me is what the Spirit of God is doing right now. He's calling forth graces in each life. Come on up. Join me. Grace has been given to you. And you know the principle? Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on. You've been faithful over a little? Talk to me. Help me. What does he say then? Be ruler over much. You want to know how to get more of this grace flowing? Start off with what you've received. Well done, good and faithful. Pastor, I don't know. It just seems like such a big project. What, I don't know how to get there. Do what you know to do right in front of you. And then let God add to you more and more grace. So here's where I think we are today. Stewards of grace we've received. Stewards. Paul, you remember him? In front of King Agrippa, Agrippa, he's giving his testimony. Guy's been through a lot. Been beaten up, been around the world in a lot of hard places. And he's standing in front of Agrippa and he's giving his testimony and he says this about his conversion. Just, just check this out. He says, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. But arise and stand upon your feet. Now check this out. For I have appeared unto you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things which you have seen and of the things in which I will appear unto you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you. Let me just stop for a second here. Do you know God is delivering us from the people to whom he sent us? Sometimes we're so stuck and not willing to go after the things of God because we're, we're afraid of people and what they're going to think of us. But here God tells Paul, I'm delivering you from the people to whom I'm sending you. You're going to be so free from the fear of man, from the need to have their approval, 
that you're just going to do this because you love me because you've had such a radical encounter with me. That's going to happen. He says, I've appeared to you for this reason, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom now I send you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And then I love this, hear it. Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. That was Paul's testimony. He says, I was out there thinking I was working for God, but I was working totally against what God had in mind for my life until I had a divine interruption, sovereign interruption in my life. Anybody had any interruptions along the way? Come on, you were on a certain path. You were going somewhere. This is my plan, you know. This is what I'm going to do with my life. And all of a sudden, heaven in its mercies reaches down and says, I've got a different idea about your life. I've got a better idea about your life. I've got a purpose, an eternal purpose. Even though you've been in the storage building mode, I've got a different idea about what we're going to do. And he's saying to that people, I've appeared to you for this reason, to make you a witness for me. Well, I thought I was going to be, you know, and we, and we tend to go to our professional careers. I don't care, you know, where you end up in the, in the secular sense in the, your job. It's it, it, your ultimate purpose. Don't confuse your provision with your purpose. Don't confuse your provision with your purpose. Our purpose is to be a witness for him, Right? Delivering us from people to whom he's sending us. Getting us so... And, and then these wonderful, beautiful, culminating words. King Agrippa, I, I pray to God that we can each have this type of a bold testimony. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I had a choice, but I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision vision I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision two visions your vision my vision for my life and heaven's vision for my life which one that's to me the the crux of the matter I beseech you brethren therefore in view of the mercies of God because of all that God's done for you. That you present yourselves as living sacrifices. Powerful sacrifices. It's only reasonable and right in view of where you were prior to God showing up in your life. Think about that. Roll the film back a little ways in view of the mercies of God, will you be voluntary and spontaneous and say, God, here am I. Send me. Maybe today, you're just saying, God, there's a war going on inside of me because I want what I want. Well, let's determine what part of you it is that's wanting what it wants. And then let's make a decision out of your spirit. That's the place to go. You know, God, in my flesh, 
I just want to settle in and have a nice little house, a little pond full of largemouth bass. <laughs> got a little fountain out there, got a little gazebo. You know, life is good. Yeah, well then what you going to do? Well, I'm going to just have coffee and just going to enjoy and every now and then I'm going to go fishing in the pond. and That's just nice, God. Love it. It's great. Well, then what you going to do? Well, I'm going to have some more coffee. <laughs> then we'll play with the grandkids. Oh, that's awesome. It's good. Nothing wrong with that. Then what you going to do? I guess I'm going to start getting older. Jesus. Have a little more coffee. Jesus. It's awesome. Well, then what you going to do? Oh, well, I guess one day I'm going to die and stand before God. And I don't want to have to say before this king. You know, Paul was dealing with an earthly king. Oh, King Agrippa, I want you to know my testimony. I was heading one way, and God showed up right in the middle of it all. In his mercy. And he rescued me. And I want you to know, this is what he told me. He says, I've appeared to you for this reason. Not just to save you from hell. Thank God for that. But I appeared to you to make you a witness for me. And I'm going to send you and I'm going to show you things and I'm going to do things that you haven't even thought of yet. I'm telling you right now, I am speaking by the Spirit of God. There is such amazing destinies resting on you in this place today. Don't sell yourself short of the plan the heavenly vision that God has. Can we pray together this morning? How about we stand up and let's just ask the Spirit of God today. You know, my intention, at least I feel like it's what God has dropped in my heart along the way is to talk about the gifts and the ways that we can understand them and flow and figure out which gifts you're carrying and how they work to complement other people's graces and giftings and how God wants to use you. But along the way, I just feel the Lord dropping certain messages kind of like this message today about the fuel to impassion us, to make us chase after the call of God in our lives. Father, I just want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you that from eternity past, each one of us were not an accident to you, but you saw the end from the beginning and you knew exactly how you'd form us and shape us. I want to thank you today in view of your mercies for the testimonies that are in this place today. Lord, I want to thank you today for this invitation. I hear your voice in Paul's words beseeching us today in view of the mercies of God that we would come and present ourselves living sacrifices to worship you by bowing ourselves down and say, God, my life is in your hands. And yes, it's true. I have other desires moving around in me, but at the end of the day, here's my Here's my uh, decision about my life. I give it to you.
Holy Spirit. Jonathan, would you come, brother, and just play? I just feel this, you know, we're not, I, I just want to be sensitive this morning. I know in a few moments you're going to walk out of these doors and go back to your life, but it's really not our life, is it? Yeah. My prayer is that when it comes time to walk out of here today, that we'll have released ourselves to the heavenly vision that will at least have given God the opportunity to come and adjust us should we be needing an adjustment. Maybe, maybe heaven today has come down and wanted to stop the construction job like happened with this apartment and the air-conditioned man. Maybe, maybe heaven just has come today to say, hey, whoa, 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 what are you going that way for? Maybe you today in this place are in this building today because God's wanting you to remember that you're more than just a storage building. You're more than just a dumping spot where people dump on you. You're more than just a place hoarding up things that are one day going to rust and rot and corrupt, things that really don't matter. You're more than that. You are more than that. Holy Spirit, I'm asking this morning that you just pull the veil off of our eyes and our understanding and let us see what heaven sees. I thank you that with such sacrifices, you are well pleased, Lord. You know, there's pain, come on, in sacrifice. It's costly. If it didn't cost you anything, David said, I will not offer to the Lord that which has cost me nothing. It would have no value if it didn't cost me something. You know, the greatest thing you can do and lay at God's feet is your life. It's radical. To some it seems extreme, but I'm telling you, it's the only thing that's going to get a response from heaven in this hour. So, Father, here we are. It's just us. Not a bunch of flashy, professional, got-it-all-together people. It's those that you love, Lord. It's us. It's our lives. In many cases, we're a mess, Lord. But you know what? I just want to thank you today that you're here ready to clear out the room and ready to start casting your vision again for our lives. I want to thank you for that truth right now. beautiful Jesus I think what I'd like to do is just leave a little time for ministry up here this morning you know I can't do this for you I can't that's why Paul says I beseech you you got to do it you got to present yourself maybe you want to do that right where you are maybe you want to come forward here we'll just minister to the Lord for a little bit and if you've already done it and you're ready to slip out you're free to do that this morning as well but I just want to take a moment and let God have what he's asking for today if you want to slip up here up front 
we can pray together, pray with you. We'll just minister to the presence of God. If that's you today and you want to just receive prayer, come on out. If you want to hang out there, that's fine too. Just come. I believe the Spirit of God is looking, waiting. Let's just let Him have what He's asking for today. Thank you. New beginnings that are really only new to you, not to God. New beginnings. New beginnings. spirit of encouragement yep encouragement you know it's true God's got his hammer and God's going to pull some some old boards down and some things away that maybe you've spent some time trying to put up and you tried to make your own little thing and and God's it's true God's going to adjust some things it's true but I just hear the Lord saying that before he even does that he just wants you to see what he sees about your future <laughs> it makes all the the taking down of some of that old stuff worth it it's it exciting i just thank you father for the, the the revelation this morning of your divine heavenly vision i break right now the power of a life spent building other things. I break the power of that today. And Lord, I thank you that as we come boldly before your throne this morning, as a sweet sacrifice to you, Jesus, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. Thank you. Melissa, I hear the Lord saying that your best years in front of you and I'm going to wash away and I'm going to scrub away and I'm going to remove even the, re the remembrance of the shame of your youth the Lord says I'm going to set your, your foundations with sapphires and beautiful things the Lord says I'm going to build your life on a foundation that is likened unto heaven's throne and foundation, says the Lord. And I want you to know that you will find such deep satisfaction being who I have called you to be. I'm releasing you, says the Lord, from the expectations of others. And I'm releasing you now into my divine and beautiful plan for your life. It'll be the joy and the rejoicing of your heart, says the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Spirit of the Lord.
we could pray this prayer together this morning. I'm going to tell you in advance what this prayer is about. I'm going to ask you to consider praying a prayer with me that presents ourselves to the Lord. But I need you to, I need you to do it. God's wanting to know if, if it's in your heart and you want to do it, it's okay. There's no, I don't want to, false pressure and nothing like that today. It just if, if you're not there, it's okay. God would rather have you be there in truth than to, than to feel like you're being pushed to do something. But I feel today it would be appropriate for us just to pray a prayer of surrender to the Lord. And um, if you'll let me, I'm going to just lead you through that kind of a prayer. So if, if you're there and you want to do it today, why don't you just join me And and just say these words together as a congregation. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in view of your mercies. And I present myself to you a living sacrifice. I acknowledge that I have a war going on inside of me. I want to do certain things and I'm afraid that maybe you'll take me away from those things. But I surrender. I acknowledge that your ways are better than my ways. Your plan is a better plan. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and work in me a willing heart that where you go, I will go. What you say, I will say. That I would not be disobedient to heaven's vision for my life. I give it to you as my worship. And I thank you for delivering me from all the people to whom you're sending me. I thank you for delivering me from the fear of man and the expectations of others. May my life be a sweet smell to you and a blessing to others. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I ask you to come and renew our minds. Take us out of the mold of the world and all that it's tried to squeeze us into and come and transform us. Come and change us into your image and into your likeness. I thank you for the joy of it all, Lord and the blessing of it all. In Jesus' beautiful and powerful name, amen and amen. Glory to God. Come on, give the Lord a shout this morning.